Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We can have that confidence that even in the midst of chaos, maybe, you know, global chaos, but even more relevantly, personal chaos and trouble and challenges and difficulty. Do we know the Lord is in control? Do we remember the Lord is in control? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 18, verses 1 through 27, in a message titled, Christ in Control. Now, here's Pastor Brian. What John also told us is that Caiaphas was prophesying even though he didn't know it. He had no idea that what he was saying was actually prophetic of what would happen. Jesus would die so the nation would not perish. Jesus would die so we would not perish, but rather that we could live. Verse 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple, this other disciple, was known to the high priest, he went in with Jesus into the high priest courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. So the mystery, who is this other disciple? I think most people agree it's John himself. He refers later to the other disciple, and it's clearly him. But just a a little bit of a side note, interesting thing, John is known to the high priest. Like I said, John's the only one who gives us the name of the man whose ear Peter cut off, Malchus. John is familiar with the high priest. He knows the girl at the door. He's able to bring Peter in. People wonder, well, how could that possibly be? Well, just a thought, and again, this doesn't really matter, but it's just I think it's good to know these things and to think about them. John's father was a very successful fisherman, and John worked for his father, Zebedee. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They, their father had a fishing business. They ran the business. The priest would have purchased their fish from them. So it's probably through that little connection that John has this kind of relationship, and he's able to go into this place where Jesus is, is now going to, the, the trial is going to begin in the house of Annas and Caiaphas. So John brings Peter in. As Peter is coming in, verse 17 You aren't one of this man's disciples, too, are you? Asked the servant girl. Peter replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire that they made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them and 
warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So once again, we see Jesus is in control. High priest is asking him, commanding him. Jesus says, no, you go talk to the people. I didn't say anything in secret. And then even when he's illegally struck by this man, and he says, now, you, you know, you can't speak to the high priest that way. Jesus, Jesus is pointing out the, the illegality of what has just happened. Why did you strike me? And in all of that, we see, again, Jesus is, he's controlling the situation. And it almost seems here that Annas doesn't even know what to do. So he sends Jesus to Caiaphas. Now, again, just a little side note. Annas was the high priest, and under the Mosaic law, the high priest remained the high priest his entire life. But under Roman rule, because the high priests were very powerful, the Romans did not let them have an indefinite period of rule. They would replace them. So Annas was the high priest for about 10 years, and then uh, his sons replaced him, and ultimately Caiaphas is his son-in-law. And so he's replaced by his son-in-law. But in the eyes of the Jewish people, Annas is still, he's still the guy. Caiaphas is a little bit of a puppet of Rome, but Annas is the guy. But here he is, he's the ultimate authority, and he really doesn't know how to even respond to Jesus. And so they sent him to Caiaphas. Meanwhile, back to Simon Peter, he was standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter, you know, in here you see these different, Judas is there, right? We started with Judas. So in Judas, you see this deception. You see this hypocrisy. You see this person who is pretending to be something. That he's not. I mean, can you imagine being in the circle of Jesus and yet being a traitor in your heart from the beginning? I mean, that's scary to think of, but that's who Judas was. John doesn't have a whole lot of sympathy for Judas. John tells us that, uh, you know, there, there was that time where Mary was, was uh, broke that alabaster jar and she was, you know, washing the feet of Jesus. And 
And the disciples became upset because, oh, this was such a waste. But Judas was the instigator. Judas was the one who said, why, why are they wasting that? that? That could have been sold. We could have given money to the poor. Oh, he looked so pious. And John said, he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. And he was mad that, that the money wasn't put in the money bag because he used to take the money out of it. So we see Judas and we see this person who's just, he's nothing that he appears to be. He's a complete phony but he appears to be a follower of Jesus. But then you look at Peter, and Peter, what we see in Peter is we, we see that Peter is the guy who, he's the most courageous and the most cowardly simultaneously. He's the person who wants to do the right thing. He just is not quite sure what, exactly what the right thing is. And we see his courage. He pulls out his sword. He's going to take on this whole detachment of troops if he has to. But then we see him cowering in the presence of this young servant girl. And in Peter, we, we see that a genuine believer who's just weak. And his bigger problem is he doesn't think he's weak. He thinks he's strong. And so that makes him even more vulnerable. Because remember, the thing about what we just read, these, these denials, Jesus had told him already that he was going to do this. And Peter protested. Jesus said, tonight I'm going to be betrayed and everyone's going to forsake me. And Peter says, not me. <laughs> I mean, literally, like... These others, he says, these others may forsake you. I will never forsake you. I mean, if you were in that group, you would just be thinking, oh, shut up. (laughs) Who do you think you are, Peter? I mean, everybody would have been mad at that, undoubtedly. But that's, that's Peter. He's, but what's the problem with Peter? He's confident in himself. But what happens when things get really tough? He just buckles under the pressure. Now, the beautiful thing is we will find when we get to the end of the story is that just as Peter denies Jesus three times, Jesus gives him an opportunity to reaffirm his love for him three times. And then with Peter, you know, as you follow Peter's life, Peter is such a beautiful picture of the Christian life because you see in Peter this process of sanctification where he starts out as this courageous but strangely cowardly person, but he he just becomes, in the end, he becomes one who, he dies a martyr's death, and he embraces it. We're finishing there as far as the story goes, and we'll pick up the rest of the story, because Jesus is now going before Caiaphas and... Again, John has his own purposes, so he doesn't give us all the details. But if you want the details, read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Read the same account, and you'll get all the other details of the things that happen. The details of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Luke even tells us that there was a certain point where Pilate sends Jesus to Herod. 
if you were just reading the Gospel of John, you would not have known that any of that happened. As a matter of fact, if you were reading anyone but Luke, you wouldn't know that that had happened. But we'll pick up there next time and go through and, and see Jesus before Pilate, because that is going to be a fascinating moment as we see Jesus before Pilate. But remember, this is, this is my big point that I want to make today. The overarching message here in John's account of the betrayal, arrest, trial, and ultimately death of Jesus is that he, despite all appearances, remains firmly in charge. Now, we talked about Judas for a second. We talked about Peter, Annas. You know, I think about Annas. What, what is Annas? Annas is just a, a hardened heart that's, nothing's going to change the heart of Annas. That's, some people are like that. You know, some people are like Judas. They're, they're, big, they're just hypocrites. They're, they're living a phony life. Some people are like Peter. They're weak, but they're sincere. Some people are like Annas. Their hearts are so hard that they'll never, they'll never turn no matter what. Jesus, Yahweh, God himself in the flesh is right in front of Annas, and Annas is just determined to reject him. But then you've got this other person in the story that's unnamed, but we've already kind of identified as John. And I wonder, and I have no idea, but, you know, you wonder, like, what is going on in the mind of John at this time? Is John maybe the one person who, even though he doesn't understand everything, maybe he's the one who remembers, like, wait, Jesus, Jesus said that he was going to be betrayed, and Judas was a betrayer. Jesus said that Peter's going to deny him three times, and, wow, that has indeed happened. Is John the one who kind of just is able to just sort of trust the Lord and let things unfold here according to God's plan? Maybe so. But again, the point is that Jesus is in charge. And when we get to the conversation between Jesus and Pilate, this is where it gets fascinating. Because at a certain point, Pilate says to him, hey, don't you know that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Now, Pilate does have power. He's the Roman governor. But Jesus says, actually, you would have no power whatsoever against me were it not given you from heaven. What is Jesus communicating there? He's communicating, hey, you're not in charge. Even though it looks like you are, even though you think you are, you could have no power against me. But, you know, even all the way to the very end, where Jesus says it is finished, Jesus is doing something here. He's accomplishing something. And he comes to the point where he says it's done. It's finished. And then, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus is in control He's in control. He was in control of this whole thing that came down. And guess what? He's still in control. Jesus is still in control, believe it or not. He's, he's, the history is going exactly the way the scriptures said it would go. And to the average person, 
they don't know anything about that. Doesn't look like that. Talk to some people about Jesus returning. They're like, what? Who? When? I, what are you talking about? But as we look at history, as we look at what God's word says, we see that things are moving exactly in the direction that he said they would move in. I was listening to a conversation yesterday between um, three historians, none of them Christians at all, and um, Peter Frankopan, who is, um, wrote the best-selling book, The Silk Roads and the New Silk Roads, and he's just written a new book on, it's kind of the history of like climate change. You know, he kind of goes all the way back in history and shows that like the climate scare that we live with today is nothing new. This, is, this has happened in times in the past. But he said, almost in passing, he said something that was so absolutely astounding to me. And he was, he was talking about, you know, kind of just the global situation. He was talking about the, the, the climate issues around the world, which have then created economic issues, which have led, you know, and the politics have led to all kinds of other things. You know, the world is in turmoil. But he said this, and it was so fascinating. He said, and you know, many people today are beginning to doubt that democracy is the best way forward. And then he said this statistic that blew my mind. He said 45% of college-educated people under 40 believe that democracy has failed and that a strong man is what is needed to lead the world forward. And when I heard that, I thought, wow. Wow. Because that's what the Bible says is coming. A strong man will come to lead the world forward, seemingly, but we know he's going to lead the world over a cliff. But we also know that, again, as Paul says in Thessalonians, that this person is the person that the Lord will destroy with the brightness of his coming. This person who exalts himself above God. This person who demands that he be worshipped as God. So all of that to say, just a, a quick side note, but all of that to say, the Lord is in control. History is moving along just as he said it would. And here's the even better news. He's in control of your life and mine. He really is. He's in control of our lives as we've yielded our lives to him. Remember what it said there um, when Jesus said, let, you know, he's speaking to this detachment of troops, right? He shows them his authority by them all falling down. But then he commands them, basically, let these men go. And that's what they do. But then John tells us that he said that in order that his words would be fulfilled, I have lost none that you gave me. Jesus doesn't lose any that the Father has given him. Jesus isn't going to lose you. He's not going to lose me. He's not going to lose us. He's not going to lose anything. And so we can have that confidence that even in the midst of chaos, maybe, you know, global chaos... But even more 
relevantly personal chaos and trouble and challenges and difficulty. Do we know the Lord is in control? Do we remember the Lord is in control? You know, last night I was praying for somebody and I, <laughs> I was praying all these really sort of directive prayers for God, you know, like, God, do this and do that. And, you know, this needs to, and then I, and then I caught myself and I just thought, wow, how stupid. <laughs> because earlier in that day, I follow this, uh, this woman on, um, I think it's Twitter. She's an astrophysicist. And she posts, like, every day for the month of March, she posts another cluster of stars in the, you know, in our solar system, in our galaxy. And when you look at these clusters of stars, it's just insane. And then she talks about how many light years, you know, this cluster of stars is from us, you know. And, and, and you think of, like, the the vastness of of the universe. It's inconceivable. We can't even conceive of it. And when we think of the intricacies of of creation and all the little details and things that we are still discovering, and this is all like mind-boggling stuff. And guess what? Jesus made it all. And so as I'm praying and I'm kind of giving him instruction on this, I just found myself sort of laughing at myself and then saying, okay, sorry, Lord, forget it. You know, do whatever you want, because obviously, my advice, you do not need. (laughs) You know exactly what needs to be done. So whatever needs to be done in this situation, Lord, you do it. But let's remember that. He is in control. Trust Jesus. Look to him. And I want to close where we started. Remember those words we read earlier Remember who's speaking? Yahweh says. And did you get that? Yahweh says, I gave my back to those who struck me. John doesn't record that part. But did you know that that began happening in the house of Caiaphas? They began to beat and mock Jesus before he went to Pilate. But there in Isaiah, I gave my back to those who struck me. I gave my face to those who plucked my beard. And I did not turn my face away from shame and spitting. That's what Jesus did, but he was still in control. And so he says, remember, by my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. I clothe the heavens with darkness and make sackcloth its covering. Question, do I lack strength to rescue? Answer, no. (laughs) Of course not. Jesus is in control. Let's remember.
the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Jesus History? by Dr. John Dixon. How do we know that Jesus was in fact a historical person? Can we really know anything about ancient history with certainty? In his book, Is Jesus History? Historian John Dixon answers those very questions. He presents the evidence for the historical existence of Jesus in a clear manner, so the reader can make their own conclusions based upon the evidence. Dr. John Dixon addresses the conclusions of mainstream scholars, both Christian and non-Christian. He also examines the contemporary significance of Jesus' claims if someone concludes that he did in fact exist. If you want to know about the historical evidence for the existence of Jesus, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.